Hello, and welcome to the New Hope Church Podcast. Whether you are a member of our church family, either in person or online, or just checking us out for the first time, we believe that you belong here at New Hope Church, and we hope that this message speaks to you today. Don't forget to check us out online at newhopechurch.tv, and we'd love to connect with you on social media at New Hope Church TV. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy. I want to welcome all of our campuses to New Hope Church. Those of you at the 288 campus, the Friendswood campus, the Alvin campus, the Webster campus, the Pearland campus, as well as uh, all of you watching online. My name is John, and it is good to be in church today. You guys excited to be in church today? Very good. Well, if you are new with us, we are in part three of a lesson series called Four Marriage Must-Haves. And each week, Pastor Tim has been reminding us that marriage is a trip, not, not a bad trip, not, not a boring trip. Instead, we believe that every marriage can be great. In fact, we believe that every marriage should be getting better over time. That said, no one accidentally arrives at a great marriage. Couples must work at it. More specifically, couples must pack for it. So what is it that we are to pack? Well, the good news is that God has outlined for us everything we need for the journey. He's outlined it in his word. In fact, through this series, we've been learning that all four marriage must-haves come from two verses found in the very first book of the Bible. That would be Genesis 2, verses 24 and 25. Today, we're going to focus on the first of those two verses. Then we're going to look at something that Jesus added to those verses in Mark chapter 10. But before we get to what Jesus added in Mark chapter 10, we're going to pick up where we have started each and every week. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Let me put that verse on the screen. It says this, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become, read these next three words out loud with me, they shall be Come one flesh. Now, in week one, Pastor Tim introduced the first marriage must-have. That would be the must-have of priority. Then last week, he taught about the second marriage must-have. That would be the must-have of pursuit. Today, we're looking at the third marriage must-have. That would be the must-have of partnership, which is rooted in this phrase right here. They shall become one flesh. So what does it mean to become one flesh? Well, to answer that question, we must first define the word one. And you might be surprised to find out that the word one carries with it two definitions that appear to be opposite from one another. You can look this up. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to give them to you, but two definitions that appear to be opposite from one another. First, that word one it means singular. Singular, like there's a singular piece of chocolate cake in the fridge and it's mine, so do not touch it. Okay? Singular. But it also means together in unity, as in that team played together as one unit. What's interesting is that when we combine these two seemingly opposite definitions, we actually get God's goal for every marriage. God's goal is that two singular people would be joined together in unity, which, which leads me to say this. God's goal for marriage is not what most people think. God's goal for, for your marriage is not that you would be happy, okay? God's goal for your marriage is not that you would live happily ever after. And yet, isn't that what married couples want 
and expect. I mean, isn't that why we get married in the first place? Because we just believe the other person is going to make us happy. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that married people are supposed to be miserable. Praise God, okay? Praise God. We're not supposed to be miserable. But what I am saying is that happiness is too low of a goal. Uh, happiness is way too shallow. That, that's because happiness comes and goes, and, and happiness is never guaranteed, which is why God's goal for your marriage is so much greater than happiness. God's goal for your marriage is that two would become one flesh, that, that, that a couple would be united together as partners for life. And here's the best part. I believe that couples who understand this, couples who get this right, couples who make it their goal to become one flesh, they actually end up living happy lives. Which brings us to the key thought for today's lesson. Here it is. The success of your marriage will be determined by the strength of your partnership. Mm -mm, that was good. Somebody should write that down. I don't know. The success of your marriage will be determined by the strength of your partnership or by the strength of your commitment to become one flesh. But by the way, that, that phrase, become one flesh, it's actually a reference to the, the physical union that, that takes place between a man and a woman after the public union. Of course, the public union, you know what I'm talking about, right? That's the, the wedding. That's the public, the public union. That's the wedding day. And just in case you didn't know this, a wedding is a big, big deal. I mean, I mean, I mean think about it. Months in advance, invitations are sent out so that people can save the date. Family and friends take time off of work so that they can attend and witness the joyous occasion. Flowers and decorations cover every square inch of the venue as music softly plays in the background. Of course, once the ceremony begins, the groom takes his place on the stage. Of course, nobody cares about him because they're all there to see her, right? I mean, we want to see the bride, and so the doors open up, and she walks in, and all eyes are on her, and she takes her place next to him on stage. At that point, vows are spoken, rings are exchanged, and finally there's that magical moment when the groom and the bride kiss, making everything official. Then after the ceremony, there's the reception complete with food, the chicken dance, and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of photographs and videos. Why in the world do we need so many pictures and videos for the wedding? Well, you already know why. Because a wedding is a big, big deal. And this was true in Jesus' day as well. Only maybe it might have been more so because back in the day, a wedding would last for seven days I mean, you thought your wedding was expensive. Can you imagine seven days, right? That's a, ooh, that's a long time to be at a wedding for sure. But the point is a wedding is a big deal. It's a big deal back then. It's a big deal now. And so, so I, I'm just guessing that in the history of weddings, that there has never been anybody that's serious about this. There's never been a couple that stood on stage during their wedding and thought to themselves, I really hope this works out. <laughs> you know, you know, you know, you know they're, they're not standing on stage thinking, man, we better have a good time tonight because I don't know how long this is going to last. Nobody thinks that because it's such a big deal, such a big commitment. And yet it happens, doesn't it? Unfortunately, sadly, happens all too often. 
And that's what brings us to Mark chapter 10. Now, in Mark chapter 10, as I said, Jesus is going to quote from Genesis chapter 2. Uh, we're not going to start with that quote. Uh, instead, he gets engaged in a conversation with some of the religious leaders. That's where we're going to start. Uh, I'm going to have all the verses on the screen. I'm going to read from my Bible. Mark chapter 10, starting with verse 2, says this. Some Pharisees came and tested Jesus by asking, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Now, because Jesus was a rabbi, because Jesus was a teacher of the law and was often around the temple, uh, this was a common occurrence. The religious leaders would often try and trap Jesus. They would try and trap Jesus by asking him a really tough question and get him to give the wrong or really bad response. And so what question are they using to trap Jesus today? Well, we found out in our text, here was their question, is it lawful? Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Well, Jesus decides to answer their question by asking them a question of his own. We find out his question in verse 3. It says this, what did Moses command you? Jesus replied. They said, well, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. Now, we don't have time to get into the details of why they asked Jesus this particular question, but it's obvious that they knew the answer. They, they knew the law. They knew that legally there were special allowances for divorce. But again, they're trying to trap Jesus. And so once they give the answer, how would Jesus respond to them? Well, we find out in verse 5, it says this. Je Jesus says, it was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Sound familiar? That's the Genesis 2 quote. But then Jesus adds something to it. So what did he add? He says, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Now I know that this can be a tough subject for many of you. And as someone has gone through the pain of divorce myself, I totally get that. To totally understand that this subject can be hard and difficult. But I just want you to know that my goal today is not to make anybody feel bad, feel guilty, or feel shame about anything that's happened in the past. Instead, my goal is to help all of us build the right kind of relationships for the future. And so with, with that in mind, I think it's important that we notice and understand what Jesus did not say in this passage. Jesus did not say that people in his day were getting divorced because they married the wrong person or because they grew up in a single home where they didn't have a good example. Jesus did not say that people were getting divorced because the finances got too tight or because somebody was working too many hours or even because somebody had an affair. That's not what Jesus said. Instead, what did Jesus say? Jesus said, Moses allowed for you to get divorced because your hearts were hard. In other words, instead of working hard so that two people can become one flesh. You're working hard to build a wall between you and the other person to the point that your heart was just not in it anymore. And so rather than honoring your commitment to that person, you just chose to end the relationship. But Jesus reminds us that was never God's 
plan. That was never God's original design. And to drive home his point, Jesus added one additional line to Genesis chapter 2. We find it in Mark 10. Jesus said, what God, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Now, again, I know that this can be challenging or difficult for some of us to think about, but I believe Jesus was challenging the cultural norms of the day by reminding his audience and ultimately by reminding us that the union of marriage is not just some casual commitment that can be thrown away once our heart is not in it anymore. Instead, marriage is a ride or die commitment. Marriage is a commitment that says, I'm staying with you and you're stuck with me. We're, we're, we're doing this all the way. In fact, it's a, it's a commitment that's good all the way to the grave, which is why couples stand before God and recite the following vows to one another, for better, for worse, in richer or poorer, in sickness and health, till death do us part as God is my witness. Now, you, be, you may be wondering, uh, is, that, is that even possible? I mean, can people really stay together forever nowadays? And Jesus would say, what God, what God joins together, let no one separate. In other words, when we do things God's way, we're going to experience God's strength to go the distance. But it all starts when two singular people make the commitment to become united as one flesh. And so what I want to do with the remainder of our time is I want to get really, really practical. In fact, I'm going to give you four commitments that uh, if, if added or, or if applied to your marriage is going to build a strong and lasting partnership. And so if you're taking notes, you can write this down. But uh, first commitment that we all must make right here, to build a strong partnership, we must commit to surrender control. To build a strong partnership, we must commit to surrender control. Years ago, uh, Irene and I were driving from Houston, Texas to Lubbock, Texas, because our oldest son was graduating from Texas Tech. And if, if you've ever made that trip, then you know between here and there, there's like a bunch of small podunk towns, okay? So a bunch of them, okay, a bunch of them. No, nothing wrong with a small town. I grew up in a small town, but I'm driving through one of these small towns, and there was somebody driving a truck, and they were driving it kind of slow. You know, that happens in small towns. They're, they're going too slow. So I decided I'm just going I'm, I'm to just drive around. Well, the minute I start to drive around, Irene starts to, to coach me, okay? You, 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 she's helping. She's going to help me drive now, okay? So she's just letting me know, hey, hey John, you need to slow down, okay? You need to wa watch out. You, you, there's, there's, a, there's a truck up ahead, okay? Need to slow down. Now, I'm not sure if she thinks I can't see the truck, you know, like all, all of a sudden I can't see anything, but she's definitely convinced that I am going to hit the truck. And so she, she starts getting a little bit louder and a little bit more animated. You know, she's like, John, you need to slow down. You need to watch out. You're going to, John, you're going to, and then she grabs the dash with both hands. Smash, smashes into the floorboard with, with her foot. Like, like this is going to change everything, right? Like he's going to slow the car down and we're just going to stop on a dime. But uh, we're, we're not stopping. Well, well I, I see the truck, okay? But all her yelling is freaking me out because I think she's talking about another truck that I don't see. <laughs> so I'm, I'm looking around for the other truck which doesn't exist. I finally figure out she's talking about this truck right in front of me. And so I, I'm frustrated at this point. God forgive me. But I turned to her and I said, baby, let me drive. 
let me drive. Now, if you're married, <laughs> you know immediately things got real quiet in the car. <laughs> I don't think we said one word for the next 50 miles. And because I wasn't talking, I had a lot of time to think. And what I realized is that one of the hardest things for people to do is surrender control. Uh, in that moment, Irene didn't want to surrender control and just let me drive, okay? I didn't want to surrender control and listen to her advice. And because neither one of us wanted to surrender control, we ended up hurting one another. Now, one of the biggest challenges newlyweds face is a shift in mentality from me to we. I mean, I mean, th I mean think, of, think about this. For years, the only person you have to worry about is me, right? Uh, me can go where me wants to go. Uh, me can eat what me wants to eat. Me can stay out as long as me wants to stay out, okay? There's a lot of freedom that comes with being me. But the minute you get married, there's got to be a shift. There's a shift from me to we, and this is a big adjustment for couples because suddenly they have to share things. You know, i got to share things that I've never had to share with anybody before, like the bathroom, like the thermostat, like the closet. Can somebody tell me why there's only one closet in the master bedroom? I mean, come on. It's not really even my closet. Men, you know this, all right? Or... or <laughs> Or dare I say, here, this one's for the fellas. Dare I say it, share the remote control. Okay, now, wait a minute, Pat. You just went too far right there, Pat. That's just too far. Well, we got to share all kinds of things. To top it off, uh, every decision is now open for debate from the finances to the kids to, to how we spend our free time to where we go to church. Uh, actually, that one's easy because we're going to New Hope Church, right? That's what we're, we're going to New Hope Church. That's an easy one. <laughs> but the temptation for many people is to fight for control. In fact, many people believe that there's only one person who can win an argument in their marriage relationship, and that's always me. But listen to me. When me wins, the relationship loses every time. And so what if I said there's a better way? What if I said there's a way that everybody wins? Well, let's take a look at the words of Jesus found in John chapter 15. Uh, verses 12 and 13, it says this. This is my commandment. These are, these are the words of Jesus. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now, this passage takes place at the end of Jesus' ministry. He is hours away from facing death on the cross. He decides that he's going to pull his best friends together and share one final meal with them. As they are eating together, they're having a conversation about true discipleship. And basically, Jesus says, if you want to be a follower of mine, it's all about sacrifice and it's all about surrender. It's all about dying to self. And, and even though Jesus is talking about discipleship in this passage, because he uses the word love, I believe it can be applied to marriages as well. You see, marriage should be all about sacrifice and surrender because without it, the two will never become one. And I think this is where a lot of our couples get into trouble because for many couples, marriage is not about surrender. It's about keeping score. It's not about sacrifice. It's about what have you done for me lately. See, 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 marriage usually is all about we until you stop doing for me. 
And the minute you stop doing for me is the minute I'm going to stop doing for you. But then you don't have a we. What you've got are two me's. And that is not a biblical marriage. That is a miserable marriage. Jesus said, oh, there's a better way. There's a better way. Jesus said, the greatest love is to lay down your life for one another. It's all about sacrifice and surrender. So, so what does that look like practically speaking? I mean, what does, it, what does it mean for me to lay down my life for my spouse? Well, it means that I'm going to give it everything I got, and I'm not going to expect anything in return. I'm, I'm going to give it 100%, and I'm not going to expect anything in return. You say, well, th- that's what I'm doing. That is what I'm doing. I'm, I'm giving it everything I got. Yeah, probably so. But does she know that? Does, does he know that? You say, well, I... I'm not totally sure. Well, it's possible that people do receive love in different ways, and so maybe you're giving it in a way that they can't receive it. And so if you don't know, if you're not sure, let me give you a homework assignment. Tomorrow morning, first thing that you do when you get up, just ask your spouse this question, how can I serve you? How can I, ser- how can I serve you today? Now, if you ask that question, I'm not sure what's going to happen. They may literally die, okay? They, 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 one of you might literally die. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know. Look, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what they're going to say, but it may be different than what you expected. And so whatever they ask you to do, you know what you should do? You should probably do it, okay? You should probably do it. And let me just say this. The more that you surrender, the more you put their needs ahead of your needs, here's what's going to happen. The more they're going to want to put your needs ahead of their needs. That's how it happens. And the more you guys sacrifice and surrender for one another, like I'm giving everything, I'm not expecting anything, the more trust will grow, the more intimacy will deepen, and the stronger your relationship will be. But it may start with, with both of you just saying, we got, we got to surrender, man. We got, we got to surrender control, which brings us to the second commitment. Here it is, to build a strong partnership. We must commit to celebrate our differences. To build a strong partnership, we commit to celebrate our differences. Uh, Now, at all of our campuses, those of you right here in the room, by show of hands, how many of you would say that you married somebody that's really different than you? You married married somebody that's opposite of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hands going up everywhere. That's what I thought. And the same is true in my relationship. I mean, if I think about Irene, there are many things uh, where she is opposite from me. For, For example, she's a little bit country. I'm a little bit rock and roll, you know? Uh, she's more of an introvert. I'm more of an extrovert. Um, Irene likes her coffee with lots of cream and sugar. I like my coffee the way God intended it. No cream, no sugar. Okay, there's just a lot of differences between the two of us. Now, what, what's interesting is that God in his sovereignty often takes two people who are totally opposite, totally different from one another, and he brings them together as one. And it's not some cruel joke that he's trying to play on us. Instead, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Because if both of us were the same, then one of us wouldn't be necessary. Which is why we find these words in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. It says this. We're going back to the garden again. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to live alone, so I will make a suitable partner for him. Now, real quick, I want to say something to the singles in the room. I want you to notice that God did not say it's not good to be single. He said it's not good to be alone. 
And so if you are single, I would encourage you, get in a life group. Get yourself around some like-minded people who can encourage you and speak life into you, okay? That's, that's the word of advice for the single people in the room. That said, when Adam was created, he truly was alone. I mean, there, were, there, were, there was no other person on planet Earth. And so God looked at Adam's situation. He said, this, this is not good. God said, something is missing from Adam's life. And so God decided what Adam needs is a really good woman. All the women said, little, little, little weak, ladies, okay? <laughs> Not a lot of confidence there. Let's try it again. All the ladies said, Amen. Hey, we know it. We already know it. We need a good woman in our lives. Okay, I'm just going to be, I'm going to be honest about it. So God said, hey, what, what Adam needs is, is Eve. So God created Eve and, and she was going to be his suitable partner. Now the word partner means to aid or to support. And, and while we could spend hours discussing traditional gender roles, I think we can all agree that women are better at some things. Men are better at other things, okay? We're, we're just different, okay? In fact, I would say that uh, those differences are probably what attracted you to your spouse in the first place. The problem is what often drives, uh, draws us to somebody while we're dating drives us crazy while we're married. You, you know what I'm saying? The things that draw us to them when we're dating, they just drive, drives us crazy when we're, when we're married. For example, maybe when, when you were dating, you were thinking to yourself, oh, man, he's so funny. I mean, he's got, <laughs> he's got jokes. He's, 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 he's always having a good time. Now that you're married, you know what you're thinking? This man can't be serious about anything around here. <laughs> Or maybe, maybe uh, you know, you were dating and she, she would come around your place and kind of tidy up a little bit. You think, this is so nice. She's so, she's so neat. Isn't that nice? And now you're married and you realize you've, you've, you've gotten yourself connected to a compulsive clean freak, okay? And if a sock goes on, on the ground, like we pull the vacuum out and we got to get, you know, it, it, here, we're just different from each other, right? We're opposites a lot of the times. And here, here's the thing. Th those, those things can actually begin to drive a wedge between us, right? They, they, they can drive a wedge between us. But, but what if we could flip the script? What, what if we could realize um, that, that God made our partner exactly the way he did for a reason, what, what if we could realize that, that God brought the two of you together so that you would be better than you could ever be on your own? I mean, that kind of thinking would be a game changer. And so here, here's what I want to do. If you're struggling with this, I've got an exercise for you to do this week. Grab a sheet of paper, and on that sheet of paper, just draw a line right down in the middle. And on the left-hand side, here's what I want you to write down. Write down all the things you appreciate about your spouse, all the things you appreciate about. It's going to be a long list, okay? You're probably going to run out of room, okay? You're just, you're just going to be writing for hours, okay? Then on the right side, I just want you to write, write down the things that get under your skin, okay? Probably just going to be a few things. Probably just one, two. Just write those, <laughs> write those down. When you get them all written down, just look, look over that paper. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your piece of paper, and I want you to pray over it. Pray over it. Not a, not a critical prayer, like, God, please change this. this you got to change some things. No, 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 no. I appreciate this, but you need to do some work. Not, not, that, not a critical, not a critical, a thankful prayer. I want, I want you to thank God for creating your spouse exactly the way that he has. I want, I want you to thank God 
for, for creating somebody who's opposite and different than you because she's, she's bringing some things to the table that you don't got. He's bringing some things to the table that you don't got. And so thank God for those things. And if you're still struggling, just ask God to change your heart. God, help me to see this person the way you see this person. This is, this is my perfect, suitable partner that you created for me. And if I can learn to appreciate those differences, man, we're going to be tighter than than ever. We got to keep moving. We got another commitment we got to make. This will be commitment number three. Here it is to build a strong partnership, we, we must commit to clear the air. To build a strong partnership, we must commit to clear the air. Go ahead and take a look at this next verse. This is Proverbs chapter 24, verse 3. It says this By wisdom, a house is built. By understanding, it is made secure. By wisdom, a house is built. By understanding, it is made secure. Now, I love this verse because it's so, so true. And basically, it means uh, you were smart enough to marry the person that you did, but it takes more than one good decision to build a strong marriage, right? Like, like you were smart enough to walk down the aisle, but it takes more than a great wedding to have a great marriage. And so how, how, do, how, do, we, how do we get to a great marriage? What, what do we do to build a strong marriage? Well, according to Scripture, what do we need? We need understanding. We need understanding. So how do we get, how do we get understanding? Well, uh, it comes from clear and consistent communication. Clear and consistent communication. I was thinking about a way to illustrate this, and I started thinking about some friends of mine. I've got a picture of them on the screen. This is uh, Dean and Linda Robison. Dean and Linda Robison have been married over 50 years, uh, which is amazing. Yeah, incredible. Been married over 50 years. Yep, yep, yep. Here, here's what's cool. They've been married over 50 years. They still act like teenagers who started d- dating yesterday, okay? That's how, that's how they act around. It's disgusting a little bit, disturbing, okay? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. It's actually really, really inspiring. They have probably one of the best marriages that I've ever seen. Now, it hasn't, it hasn't always been good. They'll tell you. There's been some, some valleys, some rocky moments, but they have one of the best relationships I've ever seen. So I asked them, you got to tell me, what's the secret to your success? How, how have you guys kept the fire burning all these years? 50 plus years, how did you do that? And they shared uh, some advice with me that I thought was so good, I'm just going to share it with you. Here's what they said to me. To, to build a strong marriage, here's what you need. Three things. Number one, you got to show affection every day. Ooh, that's good. Man, I like that. Okay, number two, you got to have fun every week. And then number three, you got to clear the air every month. Show affection every day, have fun every week, clear the air every month. Now, showing affection, that's all about priority. Uh, having fun, that's all about pursuit. Clearing the air, that's all about partnership. So, so what does it mean to clear the air? Well, Dean and Linda know that in every household, there are a lot of big decisions that need to be made. There are a lot of problems that need to be addressed. There might even be some hurt feelings that need to be forgiven. And so at least once a month as a married couple, you got to sit down and talk about your relationship. Now, the minute I say that, I feel like I need to offer a warning to the women in the room, okay? So ladies, 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 rarely do men want to sit and talk, okay? In fact, you want to stress your man out, just go home and say, "Uh, honey, we need to talk. They will stress out. It it stresses us out a little bit, okay? So I feel like I need to say a couple things on this this topic, and and this is what I want to say, say first. Guys, guys, you initiate. Men, you lead. The Bible says we're supposed to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And so I'm, I'm challenging you to take the lead on this. Make sure that this is happening at least once a month. You take that initiative. Secondly, I would say this. When you do talk, don't, don't talk face-to-face. Instead, talk side-by-side. 
Not, not face-to-face, side-by-side. Why is that important? Well, studies have shown that oftentimes it's easier for people to talk when they are doing something together. Maybe it's working in the yard. Maybe it's, maybe it's putting a puzzle together. I don't know. Here, here's how it works for Irene and I. Irene and I, for years, have gone on a walk together. And we don't walk face-to-face. We walk side-by-side. And I can't explain it, but it just makes it so much easier for us to talk about things. It opens up the door of communication in a way that we can't talk when we're sitting face-to-face at the dinner table. I, I, can't, I can't explain it, but, but both of us, both of us just start talking about anything and everything. And, and, it, and it's such, such a powerful thing, but, but we, we talk about the kids. We, we talk about the finances. We talk about our next vacation spot. We talk about how we're doing as a couple. We, we, we talk about our hopes and dreams. We talk about how we can serve better together the kingdom of God. Nothing is off the table. Now, I'll be honest with you. Some days it gets kind of heated, okay? Some, some days it gets emotional. But regardless of the topic or regardless of where our emotions go, we always arrive back in the same place. Every time we're done talking, I feel closer to Irene. And the reason I feel closer to her is because as we talk, what I find out is that she's for me. She doesn't want to hurt me. She's for our marriage. She doesn't want to do anything to hurt the marriage. And the more, the more we talk, the more I realize, man, there's nothing that we can't handle together with God's help. And so if you're struggling in this area, if, if maybe you're, you're stuck, maybe you're not on the same page, man, I, I would encourage you, you've got, you've got to have clear and consistent communication. So make it a point, schedule it, get it on the calendar, go, go for a walk, go for a walk and talk about your relationship. That does lead us to one final commitment. Here it is, commitment number four, to build a strong partnership, we must commit for the long haul. We must commit for the long haul. Now, I want to close out the message uh, by reading a passage of scripture from the great love chapter of the Bible, that would be uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, oftentimes you hear 1 Corinthians 13 read at a wedding. I'm not going to read all of it, okay? I'm just going to read one verse of it. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 13, verse 7. It says this, love always protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. Read this last one with me. Love always perseveres. Now, earlier I said the success of your marriage will be determined by the strength of your partnership, and nothing says partnership like perseverance, like I'm, I'm in this for the long haul. And I know that some of you, you're married right now, and you're feeling tired. You're, you're, you're running on fumes. Maybe you're even feeling like I'm, I'm, I'm ready to throw in the towel. I'm going to encourage you not to do that. I'm going to encourage you to hang in there. I'm going to encourage you to, to make the commitment to go the distance You see, I believe that all of us can have the kind of relationship and marriage that we've all dreamed of. And the reason I can be so confident about that is because God is for your marriage. God God wants you to succeed at this. In fact, here at New Hope, we've we've seen marriages, broken marriages, restored and reconciled time and time again. And I know if he's done it once that God can do it again for you. But it starts by you making the commitment that I'm not going anywhere. I'm I'm in this for the long haul. So how how do we build strong partnerships? Well, we commit. What do we commit to? We commit to surrender control. We commit to celebrate our differences. We commit to clear the air. And we commit for the long haul. Why don't you stand? We truly believe that every marriage can have a strong partnership 
If uh, today you're just feeling like, man, we're not where we want to be. We need some prayer. We need some help. I would encourage you to come down front, talk to one of our prayer partners. They would be glad to pray with you. We're a family. You can share anything with us, okay? Uh, This may be the first time that you've prayed together in a long time. Don't leave here. Don't leave here and let, just come down front and get prayer over your marriage. Uh, I would also say this, that if you want to have a great partnership uh, in marriage, it starts by having the greatest partnership. It starts with having a relationship with Jesus. Um, he will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He laid down his life for us because he loved us. He, he, he will give us what we need for the relationships and the people around us. And so if you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, you can do that today. Prayer partners will be glad to lead you through that decision. Let's go ahead and bow, and then we'll be dismissed. God in heaven, we're just so thankful for uh, your word. We're thankful for this this subject of partnership. I'm praying for the married couples in the room, God, that, that we would be closer, stronger, tighter, better than ever before because we value our partner that you've given to us. God, I pray that uh, uh, all of us, as we leave this place, that we would just represent you. It's the name of Jesus that I pray and ask all these things and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you guys very much. Look forward to seeing you again. If you enjoyed the podcast, we encourage you to subscribe, share it with friends and family, or let us know by tagging us at New Hope Church TV on social media. We would love to connect with you. Thanks for listening.